sent this like tornado into my life, right? Where it turned everything upside down, everything I thought I knew. Um, I began to question everything. I questioned whether God existed, and if he did exist, how was he even good? How would he let this happen? This is the Tabernacle Podcast with John Vermilia and me, Britton Bishop. What's up, John? I'll tell you what is up, brother. Uh, we are one step closer to the Lord Jesus Christ returning <laughs> because the Detroit Lions won a football game this past weekend. Hey, let's go. I'm, I've, by region, I'm stuck rooting for them. I mean, I sent you the text. Remember, I sent you the <laughs> yeah, verse. Yeah. Uh, Paul talks about, I become all things to all people. I will become weak to those who are weak that by all means we may save some. So, so that's why you're that going to cheer default, for the Lions. I am now a Lions fan. So. Oh, isn't of, that sad? It is. It yeah, is. but they but they won a game. The fact that the Lions won a game is proof that God loves us, <laughs> right? And he hasn't forgotten us. And I, I, I'm not a Lions fan. I'm sorry. But, okay. hey, but I do live in Michigan. I've lived here over 18 years. So there's got to – at least I've earned the right to rip on them, right? Oh, absolutely. I think everybody in the country – I think the Lions have earned the right to be ripped on. Oh, I yeah, think they that's have. that's the direction Good it job, goes, so. Lions. You have earned yeah. the right have, for us yeah. to just stomp on you just And I can bit. be angry all I want because they ruined – um, what was what I consider to be one of Oklahoma's gems that was Barry Sanders. So, oh, that yeah. we might get hate mail. Yeah, there's wounds for that one too. So. That was probably the greatest or the greatest Detroit Lions player ever. Yeah. He was a fantastic player. Yes, sir. But Barry Sanders. Today, um, we are joined by this is my favorite thing that's ever happened because the rest of the staff is wise to us, right? Yeah. You notice on Thursdays, it's pretty sparse around the lobby. They don't like to come in when the podcast might be happening. And uh, today, we got the newbie. <laughs> we sucked him in just like that. No questions asked. So, Adam, man, what's up? Welcome to the Tabernacle Podcast. This is Adam Sharp, yeah, the man, you. the myth, the legend. Next-gen pastor. I was warned yesterday by Matt. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding me. To, like, maybe have a meeting planned or really? maybe hide. Because Matt, Matt Hughes, our tech oh, director? Oh, yeah. He knew. Matt, he warned Matt's me. Matt's been on here, though. He's he was allowed on. to say it. Yeah, he warned me. Wait a second. And uh, I didn't believe him, and it happened. Is Matt Hughes full-time? He's full-time now. He's full-time now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I guess he can, because if he wasn't full-time and he said those words, he'd be on thin ice, but he's not full-time. And he's been on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. Right. So he's he sat in Adam's chair, literally, yeah. and uh, he's pretty much in charge of our life with editing. So, so Adam Sharp has just come on staff as our next-gen pastor. If you weren't here to hear what that means, he's actually taking on two roles. Mm-hmm. Typically, traditionally, a church will have like a children's pastor, a children's ministry director, or a student ministry director, or a student pastor. And so for the Buckley campus, we're getting a twofer. Yep. And Adam is uh, either glutton for punishment or about to kill it because he's the next generation pastor, which means little people and people that some of them, I guess, are bigger than me. Kids, (laughs) students, age, just born, all the way to 18, and God willing, maybe sometime, including young adults. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so. and he's already got a little bit of a young adults ministry that he's created on his own that is the team that he has serving at Foundry. So, yeah. Yeah. Adam is, uh, I mean, he's right here, so I have to talk about him right here. Dude, I've learned a ton from you since being a part of here. I thought you hated me the first time we met, but he I'm always, glad that we can clear the water But that's here. what everyone says. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know Adam Sharp, he has this resting face that looks like either... Tom Hanks' son, Colin Hanks, or a serial killer, which we thought would be perfect for kids at the Tabernacle. Absolutely. Yeah. Why yeah. wouldn't it be? Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
And but he smi- when he smiles, though, it lights up a room. Right. And <laughs> if you don't know Adam, you will see a little version of him running around as well. Because yes. uh, sometimes when oh, I see Vince yeah. and I'm like, I am, that's Adam. That's yeah, exactly what Adam is. looks like just running it's around. It's an Adam tornado. <laughs> uh, it's an Adam on a tornado. So, yeah, uh, yeah today we're going to do um, kind of a version of a change life story. Um, John, you were talking before, and I'm glad you said it. Uh, change life stories so often, at least here, have became 0 to 18. We start with first memory, all that stuff. It's just kind of the cookie-cutter model that we've cut out. But I think it's, it's important to understand that God um, isn't like a one-time thing. And uh, God yeah. can change your life, and there's multiple points along the way where your life can change, and God can be a part of that. And so, and I think it's important to understand that that time doesn't just happen at salvation, and then mm-hmm. God's just done with you. And so, I think this is a really cool opportunity to dig into a story where it wasn't like that moment of salvation that changed mm-hmm. everything, but there was something else along the way. Yeah. And so, uh, I believe we said like five years ago, uh, starting out there. So, Adam, what brought you to Northern Michigan? Uh, I'll back up a little bit further than that, even. I I had gotten out of the military and we moved back to Michigan, but it was downstate. And when we moved back, I think Samantha and I both, my wife had this idea that we were moving back with our friends and the things were going to be great and it was just going to be cool. And when we moved back, we found that we were in a different season of life. Mm. And so we were just, we kind of knew like we weren't supposed to be here. And um, <clears throat> I had gotten my first civilian job and I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> I do not like this. Um, and so I had started going through the process to get commissioned to go back into the military as an officer. And during that time, uh, Bill, my brother, I'm going to, we'll mention him again. Uh, it's not my fault that he's my brother, but Bill, <laughs> yeah. uh, offered, uh, to give me a job to come up here and to work up here. And so I did. And so that's what brought us up here. Um, because we were like, there's gotta be something more than what is happening here downstate. And so we moved up here and we, we loved it. It's awesome. So came up here five years ago, mm-hmm. just the two of you, right? No kids <clears throat> yep, yet. Just the two of us. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And then started working for your brother, Bill. Right. Yep. yep. And uh, so what, like in that process, where were you at relationally, maybe like with Christ or what was your, did you, were you guys like, a, were you guys pursuing God in that or what did that, that decision process look like? We would have told you then, yes, that we were pursuing God. Um, I look back on it and I'll tell you, no, we weren't. Um, we would go to church. We, you know, even downstate, we'd go, we tried a couple churches. They weren't, we didn't feel like they were for us. So, um, but we would go to church and, and it was here and there. It was when it was convenient, you know, for mm-hmm. a long time. And uh, we would consider ourselves Christians. We, we believed, but we weren't doing anything about it. And our lives were our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill and, and Melissa and um, all of them came to the tabernacle. So we'd come every once in a while. And like I said, when it was convenient, it was just yeah here or there. And you, you, you started gaining a lot of success in, in your civilian job. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. let's say right. Yeah. I mean, that kind of yeah. took off just a little bit. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, um, so I wasn't even sure if if that was a job that I was going to like or enjoy or, or even want to do, and um, so I I just gave it a shot because it was that or go back to the military. And um, Samantha, I don't think was full fully ready for that, but um, I started doing it, and I did. I enjoyed it for a long time, um, making really good money doing the what quote-unquote is successful people do um but it turned into i was working all the time i was gone all the time that kind of stuff but but success by what the world would say i was doing it i had it you know um but things change yeah and then when when did the kids come uh <clears throat> so four years ago i mean vincent's four um and we had we had been um 
we'd only been up here for a short time when Samantha got pregnant. Uh, and then we moved and did all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was, we weren't here very long before we had kids. And so that was a big change too, because I had, we'd moved to a different area, started a new job and then had a kid on the way all within a year. <laughs> oh, wow. And yeah. so it was just, it was chaos. Do you enjoy stress in your life? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm friends with you. Yeah. But, <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Uh, you've been around but, the tab for a hot yeah. second. So, yeah. 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 So, so, so you've talked before because we've, we've been in fight club together about how during that season, you know, you you were in sales mm-hmm. and so you're traveling all around. You're yeah. very successful at that, but you got pressures there too. You got to mm-hmm. keep producing. Yeah. And then, uh, you have a nice home. You live in Kingsley. Um, and now you got a kid on the way. And so like even the sporadic church attendance that started going away. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Even, you know, when we came, when it was convenient for us, once we had our, once we had our first kid, it was like, we were never coming, you know, because it was just, it was too hard. <laughs> you had to. You got to take the kid out and, you know, put the kid with people that you don't know or whatever it is. And so we just were, yeah, even, even the sporadic part fell off and then we were just doing our own thing. People putting their kid with people they don't know. I know. <laughs> ironic. <laughs> it's yeah. good though. Yeah. I think you have yeah. an understanding of that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So in that process, so kind of sporadically not going to church, um, what, what is your like personal state looking like in that time? You know what I'm saying? Like your heart. Um, where are you at? Like, just kind of break that part down. I was, again, at that time, I would have, I would have told you that, yes, I'm a Christian. Um, but I, I would say I wasn't, I, I was doing nothing. And my state was, I always felt like something was missing. I was dealing with a lot of, I mean, I'll say anger issues. Um, I had very short temper, stuff like that. And so I knew that there was something missing. I wasn't happy, but I wasn't smart enough to figure out what it was. Hmm. Um, and so, I mean, don't get me wrong. Our marriage was what we would say was was good. I mean, it's better now, but it was good. I mean, we didn't have huge issues in our marriage, um, anything like that. But for me, God was like, I'm going to go to God when maybe I need something or when I got stressed mm. out or whatever. And it wasn't a, a constant in my life. Um, yeah, it just was when it was when it was convenient for me yeah, when I needed like, him. Everything's fine. Yeah, everything's yeah. fine. What do I need that for? Right. You know. Yeah. I think just like, I think that would be a, if people were honest with themselves and honest with um, their peers, that that would be a state that I think most um, couples in North America find themselves mm-hmm. um, with their relationship with Jesus. It's like, yeah, things are just fine. There's not like a deep level of intimacy. There's not this deep level of like burning desire to be a part of him and his mission, but it's like, yeah, things are fine. And when things aren't fine, like I know where to go, Yeah, right? I can say the prayer. I can, I know that I have the book, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, so what would you like to that person? Like, what is your kind of, what, uh, I guess no, what shifted? I think, I think it, when I was in that period of my life, I was, I, I looked at my life through the lens of what the world looks at it as. And I lived a good life. I had, there was no, like I said, there was no issues. There was no problems. And so I'm looking at it like I'm a good person. I don't, I, I don't do bad things. Me and God are good, right? I was looking at this through this, this vision of the world or myself mm-hmm. or my own pride or whatever it is. And <clears throat> uh, there was a big shift and it, uh, it was through tragedy. And <clears throat> so again, I'd always considered myself a Christian, um, but a little over three years ago, um, my nephew, Caden, took his life. <clears throat> And uh, it sent this like tornado into my life, right? 
where it turned everything upside down, everything I thought I knew, um, I began to question everything. I questioned whether God existed, and if he did exist, how was he even good? How would he let this happen? Um, and there was there was a long time where I was very angry, uh, angry with God, even though I, <laughs> I was questioning whether he was even real at that point. Um, and I'm, I'm sad that it took tragedy for me to begin to question things, but I'm glad that I began to question things, if that makes sense. And so there's, there's even a sense of guilt that I sometimes have to fight mm-hmm. because the tragedy has, was God used it to get me to where I am today with my relationship with him. And then as a, as a human, as a man, I'm going, well, why, why? why did I let it come to that? And then you feel this guilt of allowing something like that to bring you to this point. Um, but, and I know that's not real, right? I know that I, I shouldn't feel guilty about that. Instead, I should be grateful that God did use that because we serve such an incredible God that he can take my nephew taking his life and change so many lives from it. Um, but when that initially happened, it was, when that, when that happened, I didn't see this coming. Right. Again, I started questioning everything. And that's when, um, right around when John invited me to Fight Club, uh, me and Bill. How did um, you guys meet? Just through church? Oh, I, I can remember so, exactly when I yeah, met you. I had At seen least, John around. But, yeah. Well, you, well, you'd been to the church before, yeah, but I don't know that really I ever met, met you. No. And so it, it was actually the day um, yeah. that Caden died, yeah. Labor Day 2018. Mm-hmm. And it was John Williams and I yeah. drove out to. Bill's house yep. and knocked on the door and I remember sitting down in Bill's living room and you sat right beside him almost like security <laughs> and you hardly said a word like you said yeah. my name's Adam and you shook my hand and those Adam Stone eyes just stared right through me the whole time and I could tell that something was going on and now now as a friend and as a brother and mm-hmm. a colleague and, and a teammate you know you can articulate it but yeah if there's anyone who I thought was just, uh, like, doubting everything that came out of my mouth, <laughs> it was him. Yeah, and like, I was. Uh, like, like, I was like, <laughs> yeah. this guy doesn't believe any of the words of comfort that I'm trying to give Bill in this moment right now. But at the same time, I was intrigued by you. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue that guy. Yeah. But yeah, and that it, was... And it was, it was doubt, if I'm honest. Like, yeah. I... I I'm like, who is this guy showing up? And and it's also, I'm in the midst of tragedy, right? And I'm trying to keep it together. In that yeah. moment, yeah, like I'm I'm freaked out, but I'm also trying to keep it together for the people that are around me that are freaked out. And yeah, and then that with my back day, with man. my background yeah. of the military, I think that is the mode I go into is I'm just going to secure people as best I can, and how however that looks, whether it's emotionally or physically or whatever. And so, yeah, I think I was defensive. Yeah. I think I was, I definitely had some boundaries and walls set up and especially that night. I mean, it oh, was yeah. just that, that whole day was just Nightmare. insanity. I mean, um, yeah. So you guys met, John invited you to Fight Club. Yep. What was your kind of first initial thought when you got that invitation? Well, just to be clear, I didn't invite mm-hmm. him to Fight Club that night. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, there, no. there, there was, was a, there was a period, yeah, of, there was a week yeah. so you were coming to church. Yeah, we had and, started coming back to church. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I ju- you know I just wanted the listeners to know that I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not that nuts. Hey, by the way, hey, by the way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm pretty sure I only got invited because Bill got invited, but that's fine. It's no big deal. I'm just kidding. Might have been. <laughs> it might have been because I didn't but think he cares? was going to come without you because you guys yeah. were 
you guys are so tight. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't have come without yeah. him. Yeah. I wouldn't have. Was that, so you came to Fight Club, but we'll, yeah. we, this is our podcast, we can do whatever we want with yeah. that bunny trail. Yeah. Um, with that, like, that relationship, was that something that you guys, have you guys always been that close? I wouldn't do anything, like you just Bill said. And I, yeah. Um, from adulthood, yeah. yeah. And, and I would say mostly probably really when I got back from the military is when we really started to. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill moved out when I was younger. Uh, I was still in, I think, middle school when Bill moved out because he's, He's super old. Um, <laughs> That's why I call him Uncle Bill because yeah. I always wanted to know that he's old enough to yeah. be my Great uncle. uncle Bill. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as ki- as kids, we weren't super close, but as as an, as adults, we were, and especially when we yeah. moved up here, we became. I mean, he's my best friend, yeah. right? Um, we became super tight, and then obviously through with through tragedy, you become yeah. even tighter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 why in the military they make things suck a lot mm-hmm. because that's where you build a really strong bond. Um, so I remember when I came up here, that was like. That was the ultimate selling point to me joining the Tabernacle was coming to that fight club that night and seeing you, your brother, um, Big Tom, mm. uh, John, like that kind of group of men. And it wasn't that like it was like, oh, these are all going to be my best friends. But it was like, dang, this is legit like brotherhood. And this is something that I desperately need in my life. And so if this is what this environment looks like. So you and your brother were a huge part of that. I was like, man, mm. like if I can just find somebody that I can be like in the trenches doing spiritual stuff with like if that's the kind of brothers i can find it if this is what this church is about is that kind of brotherhood like and i didn't know you guys were brothers at the time because he's bill stone you're adam sharp like none of that connects right Right. but it was like dang if that can happen i'm in so you like i I would never give you credit but i'm gonna give you credit Uh, that seeing you guys that and then serving at foundry and all that it was like yeah this is something i could be a part Mm -hmm. of seeing kind of that so you guys' relationship is just a cool thing yeah um and i'll never say it again so yeah Uh, (laughs) cool but now it's recorded so let's do whatever i want um but yeah i remember though um i remember very vividly sitting in that room right over there the very first fight club yep the war room the very first fight club and actually i don't think bill was there because he had to go do something else that that night but um i didn't plan on saying anything like I wanted to just go because I said I would go and I try to, you know, honor my word. So I said I would go. Um, but by the end of it, I felt like I had to. And I remember just, I think, I think you had just basically John Raskin, like, you know, what's for you tonight? Yeah. And I remember just thinking, I don't know that anything from this was for me, but I'm so angry. I remember. <clears throat> I just remember I can remember the seat I can Me remember too. everything and and I just I don't even know why I spoke up but I just said dude I, I'm, I'm angry and I don't know why and I don't know at who and but I think that that moment going just being a little bit vulnerable with some dudes that I don't know um, I think that's the moment that I began to question everything, and I think that's what God wanted. Mm. I think I think it took that anger or whatever it was for me to get real and to go, yes, I'm angry. Yes, I'm, I, I don't know how to deal with this. Because as a man, I want to pretend like everything's okay. I want to be like, oh, I got this. I'm good to go. Let's worry about the other people. I'm trying to help them. But for whatever reason, I couldn't not say it in that room. And I think from there on is when our relationship, John, started to really... Um, I started to really get to know you because I made you spend a lot of nights till two, three o'clock in the morning answering all of my questions because I, like I said earlier, I questioned everything, everything. 
Um, what were some of those big questions that you needed answered, if you well, don't mind? Here, no, sorry. just know, just bef- because I want to, I want you to jump into that, mm-hmm. but I want to back up just for a second, mm-hmm. and, and this is for the listeners, but this is also, uh, I, th- I think I've told you this before, but just to see how God works, to see how God is sovereign, God knows everything, God has a purpose, and God has a plan. Um, part of the backstory is we started Fight Club over 10 years ago here, and it's turned into a lot of different fight clubs that are meeting. I can't be at all the fight clubs, but usually once a year or every about year and a half, I take 12 guys because I don't want any more than 12 guys, but 12 guys that God puts on my heart for whatever reason to go through the book of First Timothy. And it's a model that I've followed. And then when we're done, you know, sometimes we go through Second Timothy and sometimes we go, okay, now start your own fight clubs. That's, mm-hmm. that's been the model. That day, go back to Labor Day of 2018, my family had actually been on a road trip. And usually road trips, I get a lot of thinking done because everybody puts their headphones in and starts doing their own thing, and I'm mm-hmm. driving. And as I uh, drove across the Indiana-Michigan border, I was going through this list of guys. It was kind of a prayerful moment. God, who do you want me to ask? Who do you want me to ask? Who do you want me to ask? And one of the names was Bill Stone. Mm-hmm a guy that had successfully attended church. And I, I, I'm, I'm not dissing you, Bill, if you're listening, but I think it would be okay if he would say this. He had kept church at arm's length. He'd been to our church for a while, he and his whole family, but he kind of kept us at arm's length. And I'm like, that guy, God laid that guy on my heart for a reason. And it wasn't just for Bill, it was also for you. So I'd already planned on inviting him to Fight Club. He was on my list. You were not because I didn't know you. Right. I didn't know you at all. And then it wasn't, two hours later that I got a phone call about the tragedy. And so I knew there would be an appropriate time for me to invite Bill. And it was several weeks later. I said, Hey, when we get this off, I'd really like you to be there. And, um, you know, that guy that is always hanging on your shoulder that looks like he wants to gut me like a fish. Uh, you know, if that's your security guy, can he come too? (laughs) And that was you. That was Adam Sharp. Yeah. But it's amazing to me how God had planned that. And then I can remember that night. It was the same way we start every night with Fight Club. We started going through First Timothy. What's it say? What's it mean? And the last question was, now, what's it mean for you? What was for you tonight? And when you went there, it was transformative. I could tell we were going to be friends. I could tell that that all of that was for you. Like I could see that domino chain or that providential connection point bringing you to that place and uh, yeah, the journey began. Probably the hungriest guy for answers. He asked good questions. I don't remember very many dumb ones. They were good questions, you know. So sorry about that, Brittany. No, but good. you, but you were saying the you know, the types of questions. Usually, you know, when Fight Club was over, there'd be one or two guys that wanted some clarification, and we'd hang out, and then we'd move from the downstairs war room up to the upstairs lobby and then you know eventually it got to be so late we were ordering pizza and and, yeah. and wings it was it was like the yeah. after party or what do we call it overtime, overtime. Yeah, yeah it overtime. was overtime yeah so yeah. i mean in that process right you're um walking through that you had questions you kind mm-hmm. of you like you said god wanted you to come to this place of you know, ask the questions i'm not scared of them whatever yep. that looks like yep um what were some of those questions for you? And you don't have to list all of them, but maybe if you were to look at your kind yeah. of where you're at now, what were some of the big questions that God answered that you needed yeah. to hear? Well, I think initially, um, and and I would say for Bill and I both, initially it's 
if God is good, how can this happen? Mm. Right. And I think a lot of people ask themselves that question probably more than we'd like to admit. Um, but especially people that have suffered any sort of, of tragedy in any way, I think that's a big question. And so as if, if, if there is a God and if he's good, then how can something this bad happen? Right. And so, and it was a springboard from there as to, okay, then I started just questioning everything I thought I knew. And it went from, if there is a God, why would he let this happen to, well, what now? How do we deal with this? How, how can a God use this for good? Um, but then there were questions of, I mean, just, just reading the Bible and it'd be, so it's the big questions like that. And then there was also like, well, is there free will? Oh is there yeah, not that free was a will? big one. That was a big yeah. one. Yeah. And, and it wasn't because I had a stance either way, but I was trying to understand it. Like I'm reading, I'm reading the Bible in a, in a much different lens than I'd ever written it before. And I wait, I, I don't think that's true. No. Yeah. Reading the Bible. I think you were devouring the Bible. <laughs> oh. You were devouring the Bible. You were insatiable, yeah. bro. But I think part of it is, if I'm honest, I don't even, it wasn't even because I wanted to get closer to God or know God more. As I wanted to see if this was real. That's exactly right. Yeah. Because I grew up going to church. I grew up in a Christian house. I'd been to church all my life. But for me, it was never, I don't think for me it was ever real. And then when this happens, then I really question it. And, and after questioning it for a while, I think mm-hmm. I got to a point where I'm either going to run to it or run away from it. I'm going to embrace it or I'm not. Like, I'm going to do this or not because it's, e- it's either real or it's not. Mm. Like, I don't think for me, I, I could no longer be that here and there Christian. I could no longer be the guy that would come to church and bring his family to church when it's convenient. It start, as I was asking those questions, it started to become really real. And, and as it became real, then if I, I got to this point where if I believe that this is real, then I have no choice but to go all in. I don't have a choice. I owe it to myself. I owe it to my kids. I owe it to God first and foremost. And so some of the questions were big questions. Some of them were little questions. Mm-hmm. Some of them, he'd, be, he'd get a text from me at two o'clock in the morning on just what does this verse mean? Right. I don't understand this word. But I think as men, we're so afraid to ask those questions because I'm going to look dumb or... I don't want them to know that I'm actually reading the Bible because we're weird right, right. idiots like that. Um, but we're so afraid to ask those questions. And, and, I, and I think I had just gotten to the end of myself. And, and it took Caden, it took tragedy to get me there because before I could do it on my own or I thought I could. This showed me that I couldn't because I didn't know how to deal with it. I actually needed people. Um, but yeah, a big part of it was like, I think we're so afraid to ask questions. We're afraid to ask people questions because we're going to look dumb or feel stupid or whatever. And it makes us feel like less of a man. And maybe it's the same for women. I don't know. But for men, I feel like we're just afraid to not look like we have it all together. And we're afraid to look like we don't know as much as we should know, or especially somebody who grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, no, I didn't even know that story. It was probably taught. I just wasn't paying attention. Right. Right. And so... Or, or I'm learning things and going, that's what that means? I thought it meant this, and I realized I had it all wrong. Right. But we're so afraid to go there. And I think we're also afraid to ask God questions. But I had gotten to a point where, again, I questions, questioned his existence even. So I wasn't afraid to ask him questions anymore. And now I realize he wants you to. He doesn't, he's not afraid of your questions. You don't have a questions. question that he can't answer. Yeah. And what's interesting is I can remember just, you know, maybe not every specific late night because there was a lot of them. So we're talking sleep deprivation. There's a lot of words and it wasn't just Adam. There were other guys that stayed 
um, Bill stayed, a, a, you know, really cool guy that works with Foundry now named Ben, Ben the Lumberjack. Yeah. You know, he's bad to the bone guy. And he had the big fat King James, King James. Bible and the cowboy yeah. boots and the Popeye forearms going on, right? Um, but that's one of the things that we talked about is there's no question that is out of bounds. And it's also one of the best ways that people learn. But going back to something you said, you know, is it the same for men or women? I'm not a woman, so I don't know. But one thing I know about men is most men do wear masks. They Mm -hmm. do hide. They are afraid to look dumb or look weak or look, you know, less knowledgeable about a topic. But what happened with tragedy is everything became a matter of life and death for you. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, if you think about that, every moment of every day is a matter of life and death. All of us, our lives hang by a thread. They hang by an absolute thread, but we can just get complacent and just start thinking that, you know, tomorrow is just going to be there. We take it for granted that tomorrow is going to be there with one another for ourselves, with our, you know, with our families or what have you. Every single one of us is that way. And it was almost like the scales, in my opinion, had fallen off your eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like that movie, The Matrix. I don't know if you remember that. I don't know if I should push that on the podcast, but it's our podcast, so we'll do whatever we want. But it was like, you know, either the blue pill or the red pill. Well, when you took that pill, your eyes were open for the first time that this is spiritual, that this is good versus evil. This is God versus sin. This is life and death. And so some of those texts at two o'clock in the morning would be, hey, what do you think Job meant by that? And I'm like, bro, we're yeah. studying First Timothy. What are you in joke for? That's what I meant when I said you were devouring scripture. Yeah. You were hungry for it. You wanted answers. You asked great questions. And I just think if, if there were more men, you know, I, well, we say this all the time. If there were more men that would just drop the, you know, I'm a man bit mm-hmm. and humble themselves and ask those questions or really think about what they're thinking about, we'd see more men on that spiritual journey. And really that was kind of what Fight Club was for. Yeah. You know? And I would and I would be willing to bet going along with that that my wife Samantha, I would be willing to bet that she would tell you that she she I'm I'm more of a man to her now than what I was then, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like dropping the scales and and finally going, Yeah, I don't have it together. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to survive. I think I think so oftentimes we're, we're so arrogant to think that we have to be this big, strong man. And what they want to see is the, that is a big, strong man to them. The mm-hmm. one that's willing to go, I don't know. We got to figure this out. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to put in the work to figure it out. Good. Cause there's the difference. It's putting in the work. It's just being willing to do it. And it's funny. You, you talk about that matrix thing yeah. because along the way with, with asking all the questions and building the relationships, God would show me himself. Meaning he, he would show up in these, in these sometimes little ways. And then, but I remember the night that you talked about that in overtime where the red pill, the blue pill, right? And then I, I drove for a living to do sales. So the next day I'm in my car driving and I had picked a random podcast from a random dude I'd never heard oh, of. Oh, I remember the story. Well, I just got a little chill. I picked Brent. a random <laughs> podcast, bro. And in this podcast, it's, it's, a, it's a gentleman who's telling a story of when he was in, he was in combat and he was trying to get out. And he had told, he just basically is telling the story how he told God, like, if you get me out of here, I will serve you the rest of my days of my life. And he starts telling the exact same story of, from the Matrix that John told me the <laughs> night about before. The red pill, the blue pill. And I remember sitting in my car going, seriously, <laughs> for real, this is how, you're, this is how this is going to go? This is how God speaks? But it was, those, it was those little moments along with the questions where God is like, I'm real and I'm here and I got you. Wow. 
So what would you, um, I think I don't want to miss this opportunity. What would you say, um, and you're allowed to unfilter this if you need to, to the man that has the family that thinks he has it all together, but deep down knows this ain't it. Yeah. What, what shifted for you? And you've said it, but speak directly to that guy right now. Cause as mm-hmm. men, it's really easy to say, well, that's his story. He's not talking yeah. to me. Yeah. Right. What what would you say to that guy? Well, I think for one, especially to the men that have families, and this might hurt a little bit, and maybe I'll get punched uh, on this week, this weekend at church, but um, I'm going to say it anyway. If you believe this, that it's real, if you love your family, you're going to dive in. You have to. You owe it. You owe it. Like, Think about it this way, and I told this to my friend one time who who is is kind of questioning things. If there's even the slightest chance that this is real, do you not want to show your your kids this? Like, do you not want them to see this? It's, I think it's, you have to change the perspective of, I'm going to be the big strong man that the world says that I should be. The big strong man is the man that's bringing his family to church and carrying his Bible. Weird, we bring a Bible to church. It's, it's the one that's praying with his kids at night. It's the one that's <clears throat> praying with his wife at night, even if he runs out of the room afterwards on the first time. We'll get to that. <laughs> but I think, like if I was to just sit across the table and just say to whoever, whatever man it is, you're not that cool. You're not that strong. You can't do it on your own. So stop trying because... Hmm. People see through it too, right? I mean, is do you not typically look at the big, strong guy and be like, really, it's a show, right? And I think it is a show. And you may be strong. You may be able to beat me up, whatever. And I might get beat up this weekend. But I just want you to know Adam Sharp has a plan to kill you if he's met you. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, I've had a little bit of training. <laughs> but <laughs> but I guess I don't know, like, like something to say like to that person. I guess I don't know. I'd have to maybe think more about that. But you just got to get over yourself, man. Mm. It's not about you. It's not about you. Even if you don't have kids, guess what? Your life isn't about you. Yeah. It's just not. No, that is good, man. John, in your experience, um, what what do you think, like the biggest gap and shift, I think, in what we find in biblical masculinity and worldly masculinity, what do you think? Do you think that shift is just pride and selfishness or in your experience, what would you? Yeah, I think pride and selfishness is a part of it. Um but I also think uh, that that what Adam is describing takes more courage to live that way than to live in hiding. Mm. Hiding in plain sight is not courage, which is putting on a mask, putting on airs, pretending that you have it all together. Um, and and even with the you know I I don't know what guys that don't go to Fight Club think Fight Club is about, but Fight Club is just a place where we can wrestle with God and our flesh and His Word and one another and do it in such a place. And the reason that it's that it's a man only event is because you can speak to men uh, like men need to be spoken to um, when it's just men. And I'm not talking about dirty language. I'm not talking about inappropriate stuff. I'm talking about calling each other out. But if I call out a man in front of his girl, uh, it's not going to go well for me. He's going to put up a barrier. So that's why we put the ladies, hey, ladies, you got your thing. We're going to bring the guys in here. And it makes it safer. And I would say to the guy that doesn't... um, you know, that has never tried it, who's still resisting it, who still thinks he's the busiest guy or he's the guy that's got all together and doesn't need it. It's the reason that we look back um, to the teammates that we had when we were in sports, whether it was in high school or college or peewee, 
uh, or, you know, we look back, those of you that were in the military, I mean, those were the guys you were tight with when you were deployed and doing all that kind of stuff. Whenever you're in any group or the dudes that you go to deer camp with, that's what we created fight club. That's where you can go to what our friend Foster calls DEFCON 4, where I can be honest and open. And then what you find out is you're not alone. And then together you take courageous steps to say, hey, how can I love my wife better? Because women are hard to figure out for dudes. They're very hard to figure out. You know, you were talking about praying. And, uh, you know, at the fight club that I lead, when we take a cruise through first timothy there's some things that you know we always do and you know there's even pop quizzes but we're not gonna talk about that (laughs) but one of the things we talk about praying and i'm amazed at how many men come to church and they've never prayed out loud period their family sits down for dinner if they do they just start eating Mm. instead of somebody saying a blessing and if it is it's mom because dad's afraid to pray Mm. well i pray to god all the time i'm just a little awkward because i don't know the right words and it's like you speak English, don't you, bro? Talk to God in front of your family. That takes courage. Mm. And then you see men coming back to Fight Club and going, hey, I prayed before dinner. And then we really push them. And, and I'd love for him to talk about this. Is there, I, there was one specific thing where we talked about being that vulnerable, show, showing courage to be vulnerable with your wife and how it could help your relationship. Mm-hmm. Because this whole thing, I think, you know, when you said that Samantha... Uh, she 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 would say that you're more of a man now than you were before all this took place. Some of it has to do with the fact of what you described is you showed dependency on God. Mm. Well, that dependency made you safe. And sorry for the rant here, but men don't understand that, okay, it's an unsafe world. We understand that. But men don't really understand that it's more unsafe for a woman. This world is more unsafe for a woman. And I've used the example before. You and I will walk to our car out in the parking lot in the dark and not think anything of it. Why does a woman clutch her, te- her, her, her keys a little tighter or make sure she knows where the pepper spray is or have the flashlight ready to go if it's a big city or in a strange place? Because that's the difference between living life as a woman and living life as a man. Yeah. And so when a man all of a sudden shows he's dependent on God, so he's going to submit to God, he's going to submit his life to God's word, He's going to submit his life to other men who are Christians and say, hey, I'm available to be accountable now. All of a sudden, Adam Sharp became way more safe for Samantha than beforehand. And so one of the things that we talked about is by showing that dependency is I challenged dudes to pray with their wives. They had a whole entire week to pray with their wives. Now, Britain, you would not believe the pushback that you get from grown men who call themselves Christians, when you say, hey, why don't you just pray with your wife? Not over dinner this time, just you and her. Yeah, I stole that from you and used it with my f- first Timothy Fight Club that I did in Manatee. Did you see the same pushback? Oh, yeah. and then yeah. I, But my favorite was the phone calls after they did it. Yeah. It's like, hey, she's laying in bed, but I just want to, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> why are yeah. you whispering, bro? It's kind of weird yeah. that you just called me in the middle of the night and you're whispering in my ear, but... Uh, yeah, that was a little bit creepy. <laughs> you go hang out with your wife again. Uh, yeah. but, but like so, at the beginning, they push back oh, hard. Oh, yeah, big time. They, so describe that for us. Adam Sharp, yeah. because you took the challenge. I did. I don't think I pushed back a lot. No, no, no. no. In, in my head, no, I didn't. may have, but uh, I did. So I went home, and um, Samantha was in bed, and so I decided I was going to pray with her because that's what we were supposed to do. And I did it, and I was terrified. <laughs> and I don't like why are you so terrified to pray with your wife? She's your wife, dude. Like, break but, that down. Why do you think you were? It's a level of vulnerability and yeah. intimacy that 
is just like, as men, we want to be intimate with our wives, right? But then there's that vulnerable intimacy that is scary to us. Would you? Yeah, that's awesome. I got another question, but continue yeah. your story. Well, so I prayed. And I will admit to you that as soon as I got done praying, I booked it. <laughs> I booked it out of the room because I was like, I was about to be in tears. And I'm like, this is, I feel so awkward and vulnerable and emotional and I got to get out of here. So I ran out of the room. I just took off. <laughs> Did so. she follow you? No, no, no. I think. <laughs> Did I, she and, laugh I, at you? Did she humiliate I, you? Did I she? think, I don't know. I should ask her really what she was feeling, but I think she was also a little bit emotional. Wow. Um, cause that was the first time we'd ever really done that. Yeah. You know, um, and, and I'm not ashamed to admit, I think we should, we probably need to do it more still. Yeah. Me too. Um, but yeah, I think it was a, it was a cool moment. And I think it was, maybe that was one of those shifts where she felt safer, right? Because now she knows that I'm not trying to do it on my own, but I'm actually investing in this thing and I'm doing the things that Johnny V or whoever the fight club mm. leader is saying to do. And even though I'm uncomfortable and it's scary, but I'm going to do it like, man, I, I think for our wives to see that it's huge. Yeah. Or, or our kids or whoever, just the people in our lives to see like, okay, it's scary, but I'm going to do it. And even if I act like a baby <laughs> and a scaredy cat when I do it, I did it, you know, and obviously it got easier and it's easy, you know, praying but with man, her now is not that, as hard, but. That was more manly and more courageous when you're in that moment than any guy who thinks he's too cool for that yeah. or that's not him or he doesn't, you know, he, he, he only needs God when he needs something from him. That's what I mean by courage. Yeah. That's real courage. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too that you use the word intimacy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think so often the American definition of an int intimacy is physical sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. And that is the standard of intimacy in our relationships or in our, yeah. in our lives. And we wonder why so many marriages are ending, why they're so unhealthy, why when somebody gets wrinkly all of a sudden, like we didn't realize mm -hmm. it was going to happen. And now that physical intimacy begins to fade. And so I think too, I, I, I'm learning a ton. That's why I love these podcasts because now guy that's getting married in June, it's like, oh, maybe I should just start this way. And it's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not going to do it perfect. Right. But it's like, I'm, I'm hearing you share, right. And you, uh, did you guys have a kid at this point? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you guys had had a child together and mm -hmm. you're describing this new level of intimacy that you went to just through a, ultimately a very simple process that was, mm -hmm. Hey, can we pray together? And I think that if you're, I mean, for the, for the wife that's listening to this podcast, hold your husband accountable to lead you in that way. Mm. Bring him to that. Because I think that there's a level of intimacy there that I, I'm sure, I mean, both of you could probably mm -hmm. speak to this. What is the, what is the shift that happened in y'all's marriage when you started deeply being intimate together in a spiritual way? Uh, um, I ask, I'll ask you that. Did you, did that begin to like, as you're coming to fight club asking questions, you're beginning to see spiritual growth. What's yeah. happening in your marriage? Break that down. So it's the same thing. So I mentioned earlier um, how like we would have said we had a good marriage and, and we did by, mm -hmm. by all rights. I mean, it was, it was good, um, but we didn't realize how much better it could be. Right. And so, and what's been really cool for me is as God has uh, begun to work in my life at the same rate, he's been working in Samantha's life. And it's been really cool to see. Samantha was one that, she's going to kill me, but she's, she was one that would probably not even, she would not go to a, a, a retreat. She wouldn't put herself out there and do that to now she's a leader at retreats. Mm. And 
it's it, it's an and it's encouraging to me, man. And so as we've both grown uh, in our in our walk with God, our marriage has changed. The things we want out of life are different, and it's so much better, man. There's so much more joy. It's 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 easier, right? Because now we're not sweating the small stuff. We're not thinking about whatever you know, whether it's finances, and of course we think about those things, but they're not what matter anymore, mm. right? And so. I think it took away a lot of things that couples sometimes bicker about or can be stresses and it and reshifts the focus of, of your marriage. What is the focus of your marriage? We're going to be a team together and we're both going to serve God because he's first. He's before our marriage. He's before our spouse. He's before everything. Um, and I think that shift happened for both of us and it just, dude, I, I can't explain it, but it just made it better. It made it easier. It's more fun. You know, there's a, there's a thinking, or, or, or just listen to you ex, explain that or describe that change. You know, the the relationship between a man and a woman in marriage. There's three parts of the intimacy. Most women, um, you know, the thing that they feel that is lacking is emotional intimacy. Men, they're chasing the physical intimacy. Not that some women, I mean. We're all chasing both, but those are only one or two dimensional at best. And the third dimension is the spiritual intimacy. And a lot of men get just stuck on the physical part. They think that's intimacy and they don't owe her any emotional intimacy or spiritual intimacy at all. And that can be a game changer. Mm -hmm. And when we see that, hey, it's more than just about the one dimension that I'm thinking about, that there's three dimensions here, it blesses all three of those. It's easier to be emotionally intimate and tell her what I'm feeling and what I'm afraid of because we've been intimate spiritually and um, and, and it helps the physical side as well. So um, that was a change in you, but it wasn't just with your marriage. There was, there was things changing all around. I, I remember one of the nights at Fight Club, we actually spent a little time equipping people about how to talk about God in everyday life. And I, I, don't, wanna, I don't want listeners that don't go to Fight Club to just, well, I'm never going to that then, uh, because it, there was a progression. Yeah. Like, we talked about how to do it. We shared about it. But you were one of the guys that took every challenge. If it was to memorize scripture, it was to learn God's law, if it was to pray with your wife— here is a traveling salesman at the time driving all over Michigan. At the and you got, time. At oh, the sorry, time. I got to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, at the so time <laughs> when you were still a civilian, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's this big giant cross around your neck. Mm-hmm. And then we're talking about, hey, look for opportunities to talk about God in your everyday life. Can you talk about what that looked like? Yeah. Um, so the, the cross that I that I wear obviously is was a big conversation starter, and it was and and I originally wasn't even wearing it for that, right? It was just Caden wore one. It was a reminder to me of of my faith and um, the hope that I have in Jesus and and all that. And um, but as that shift, like even the, the the shift in the marriage of what is actually important, right? As the shift of what I realized was important changed. Um, it changed at work too, because I was going to work to do a, a job. I had a job to do of sales, but that was, it was like, what, how often does somebody have an opportunity to go in somebody's house three or four times a day and wear this cross or wear whatever it is. And the question comes up, Hey, I like your cross. Where'd you get that? Let me tell you about it. And then you just get this opportunity to talk about Jesus. And it was so cool, but I was terrified 
at the same time. You just answer a question, but you were afraid. Yeah, I yeah. was terrified. And, and but it was one of those things where like, okay, well, you got to do it, right? That's what we're supposed to do. And uh, <laughs> but it became easier, and and it became it had really become like what I looked forward to in the appointment. Mm. It was no longer about sales. It was no longer about my actual job, but it was about, Hey, well, I wonder if God's going to like have me talk to somebody today. Got any uh, specific wins or losses from those specific stories? Yeah. I wouldn't say any losses. Um, there were some confusing ones. Yeah. You know, I remember calling John one day going, dude, I just had the most bizarre thing. <laughs> like it was like, this guy was an atheist and he starts telling me how he's an atheist and that his favorite number is 666 and all this stuff. And so I'm talking to him about Jesus and then nothing happened. There was no like, there was no like, oh, well, yeah, I, I, God he is real. He didn't knife you or no, an angel didn't Nothing appear. happened. Yeah, and I yeah. get out to the car and I remember like audibly going, God, what, what was that? <laughs> Seriously? Like, I'm just confused. Yeah. Um, so there was some like that. And then yeah. there was some that you talk to and, and Bill has a lot of these stories too of, even Caden comes up and all of a sudden you don't realize that they've suffered loss too. And now you're this sales guy that came to their house about their basement or whatever it is. But you're talking about how we have hope in Jesus that we're going to see those people again. Mm. We have hope that we can get through it. Um, it's an incredible thing. I, I would leave like emotionally drained sometimes uh, and it had nothing to do with my actual job. Mm. But that's, but, but that's being in ministry wherever you're at, right? That's right. And that's, what we're called, that's what we're called to do. Yeah, that's cool. And 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 just I'm I'm not trying to make it all about the thing, but or about the values of the tab. But one of the things we talked about is being a domino. So like with with the whole atheist guy, it isn't your job mm-hmm. to completely fix him. It is your job to be faithful to you know the conversation. And you're going to talk about Jesus, and he's going to represent what he believes. And then you walk out and you say, Hey God, what was that? Mm-hmm. I think the answer was, Good job, you were faithful. Yeah, uh, that's above our pay grade. What God's going to do with that guy, right? Sometimes you see the results, sometimes you don't. Sometimes it feels like a loss, but God's got a greater purpose, which is the whole theme of even how we got, you know, from Labor Day 2018 to right where we are right now. Yeah, I think of your life, um, and we're not done yet. And I'll share this again at the end. But this quote just keeps coming to mind, so I want to say it before I forget it. And there's a pastor that talks about, it, and he he tells a story, and he says, "I would rather take the risk of obedience." then miss the moment altogether. Yeah. I think that is something that as I've gotten to know you, it's something that, that you're, you've just done faithfully um, over time. I've taken the risk of obedience, which is I'll come to the fight club, right? Even though I didn't even know mm. what I was being obedient to, yeah. but I'll come to the fight club. I'll, yeah. I'll pray with my wife. I'll, I'll tell the atheist about Jesus. Now we find ourselves here, right? Yeah. I think I'll be a part of the student ministry. What did that look like? What, what was that situation? Yeah. Well, first I want to say like, I haven't always done it well, right? It, it, like I, there are plenty of times where I walked out of a house and I was like, I think I missed that one, mm. right? Like I just, or, or fear got me yeah. and like I saw the opportunity, but I didn't take it. Mm. So it, it wasn't perfect and, it, and we're not going to be perfect. Right. And God doesn't ask for perfect. He asks for willing, mm. right? For obedience. And so there were plenty of times where I, I know maybe God wanted to do something and I just, I, I, I couldn't do it at the time or whatever it was. Um, so I wasn't perfect at it. And I, so I just want to be honest about that. Yeah. Um, but student ministry, Samantha started serving in student ministry first. And dang, how we get stuck with you? I know. <laughs> but she started oh, serving first. <laughs> it's a little thief by the name of Martin J. Rizzi. Yes. <laughs> she started serving in student ministry first. And um, I was like, okay, well, I'll go check it out too, you know. And I went and I remember going into it and telling 
telling MJ, telling Martin, I was like, dude, I'm not doing middle school, just so you know. Like, I, I cannot handle those kids. There's no way. So Martin is the student pastor at the time at the Buckley yeah. campus. Yep. And he's cherry picking. This, sorry, this is a different episode. When your your student ministry pastor starts cherry picking all of your guys out of fight club for student ministry. <laughs> That's and smart. I had a different one for plans awesome. for their lives. Cracker yeah. Barrel's never been the same. It's since never been the same, yeah. right? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So sorry, you said you weren't doing middle school to Martin J. Rizzi, otherwise known as MJ, yes. the Riz Master. Go ahead. Yep. But when I went, like it was Samantha was was doing the middle school and I was like, Well, I'll go check it out. I never even checked out senior high after the first night. I remember. It was like, man, these kids are crazy and I love it, you know? <laughs> and so, but then uh, I think Samantha had gotten pregnant at the, or yeah, had got something like that. She decided to, to step away and I was still going to be there. Um, and it just be, it became uh, this place where one, I was building relationships with, a relationship with MJ, with Martin, mm-hmm. who's become uh, a mentor in my life. Um, but God just like, it, it was like after the second night, like, yep, this is where you're going to be. This is where you're going to be. Um, Cause I had done like ushering and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and ushering was great and there's nothing against it. But for me, this was like, yep, this is where you're going to be. And so I just started to serve there. Um, and then MJ does, did what he does. And he wrote me into speaking <laughs> and uh, I was terrified, and, but I did it. Um, and then it wasn't a one-time thing apparently. And he kept roping me into speaking mm-hmm. Um and then there came a point where it was like, hey, why don't you just uh, lead the leaders meeting? Because MJ's he's smart. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's, he knows how to build people up and to get them to that without them realizing that he's doing it to them. So just fair warning to everybody. Hey, you're killing all my tricks now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that stuff was happening. There was just this, this progression that, that God kind of yeah. just created, man. And I just, for whatever reason, I knew. And what's funny is even when I was uh, just a, a leader there, a volunteer leader, um, I began to to feel like this tug on my life of ministry, but I even told MJ, and I got to stop doing this. I'm not learning. <laughs> I've got to stop doing this. Student ministry though is not for me. Like yeah. not, not for like full-time ministry. Like that won't be what I do. <laughs> I've done that so many times and God's like, oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Watch this. Um, yeah. But then it came to the point where he MJ- yeah, yeah, he gets sponsored by car. But MJ um, was asked to move into a different role. And so- um, I was asked to temporarily lead the student ministry at the Buckley campus just until they got somebody else. I will confess that we've had a wonderful plan for your life for a while. So I but, said, yes, temporarily I'll do that. Well, so so check it out. Just even even back to the speaking, because I don't, I don't know if you feel this way, but something that I've experienced, in the moment it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But when I look back and I see how God's prepared me for something, then it's like, oh, that's why. And like, I remember those moments when you like, cause you, cause we were in fight club. We were in second Timothy by mm-hmm. that time. Cause that crew yeah. stayed together for a while. A couple of years. Cause yeah, just a couple of years. And there's, there's a bunch of great guys in that fight club. And it was one of my favorites. Um, I remember you talking about, yeah, I'm supposed to speak tonight. And then uh, of course I broke it down with Martin uh, the next day. And he was like, the dude's a natural. And I actually had a video. I mean, someone shared a video and I could see it immediately, even though I wasn't there live. I think, I think I actually gave you the video and because That's I right. wanted your That's input. Right. And yeah. it was, and this was one of the times that I like, it just going back to our relationship. This was one of the moments where I was like, this dude actually cares about me because 
you had two pages of notes, good right. and bad, uh, or good and things to work on, I'll say. Yeah. But it was, I was surprised at, here's the lead pastor who has a lot on this, you have a lot of other mm-hmm. responsibilities, but you took the time to watch this 15, 20 minute sermon, not only just to watch it, but you actually invested in me. And, that, and so that was one of those moments where, not that all the late nights and stuff didn't do that too, but that was another key moment that I can remember going, he actually cares. He actually wants to see me get better. He's actually investing in me as uh, in ministry or whatever it is. But so thank you for that. I don't know if I've ever actually thanked you for that. I think, I think you have. I think I owe you way more than you owe <laughs> no. me, but you know, back to, to how. The room. No? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, yeah, we might hug it out here. Yeah. Uh, is that's, that's when I learned that, well, a ton about you, not just the fact that I think you're a great speaker because I wouldn't give you two pages if you weren't a great speaker. I'd have been like, hey, okay, that was cool, bye. <laughs> but uh, that in the military, you used to have to do that all the time. Yeah, You were an NCO, but you would uh, you you would have to present or you'd have to teach or you'd have to train. I was an train. instructor. Yeah, yeah, you were an instructor. Mm-hmm. And as part of that, you were also critiqued the way we critique speakers at the tab, yeah. which is, I don't know if people know this, but we critique everything. I'm, I get critiqued on Saturday night after the first message on a weekend. I find Britain, you did it for me this last week, right? And sometimes it's don't change a thing. Just keep it like that. Sometimes it's, you're talking too long about the, your pet thing and you need to shoot that dog. But what I found out from you was that you actually welcomed that. Mm-hmm. And that's not only one of the ways that you had become a good speaker, but that's also something that you welcomed. Yeah, I, I want to know how to get better. And um, from that moment, I just knew that I knew that I knew that this guy was going to be, mm. you know, teaching a lot. So we'd ask Martin to make the move uh, to become the Buckley campus pastor. Um, there's a lot of turnover in ministry. I'm, I'm not going to try to, you know, paint it with rainbows and unicorns, but, um, you know, the average person in ministry only lasts at a church two, three years tops because it, it is a meat grinder. It's getting shorter now, too. It's getting shorter. Yeah. 21 months now, I think, yeah. or something like that. It's, it's crazy. crazy. And so Martin was a guy that was like, he's a great manager. He's got all these skills. We didn't want to have a change with students, but we were convinced that you had done so much in, I don't want to say elevating in leadership, but Martin had elevated you so much in leadership where Martin could run senior high and junior high and be connecting with Britain. And he had all of these, what we call a lay leader, somebody that's an unpaid staff member that's running things. And you were one of the top ones. And there's some other great ones like Mike Anderson is a huge one as well. Um, But when he became the campus pastor, you agreed to be an unpaid student ministries pastor, essentially director, whatever you want to call it, call it for the Buckley campus and work with this guy. Mm-hmm. Tell us why you said yes to that because your job at the time, what, 50, 60 hours a week, yeah, depending, depending on the season? Yeah, summertime, 60, 70 hours a week sometimes. But Why didn't you go back on the, you know what, I tithe, I go to church, that's enough, I'm too busy. Why would you do that? Are you insane? Uh, probably a little. Um, it was it was something that I had grown to love for one, and I just I don't. It, after all God had done for me up to that point, I didn't feel like I could say no, <laughs> because just recognizing where God had had brought me in those in those couple of years since since Caden had passed. 
the fact that he'd used this and he'd put all these amazing people in my life and and he was using and 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 to be honest, selfishly, student ministry was for me too. I was getting far more out of being at the student ministry than I was giving anybody. I can guarantee it. And I think it's probably still the same way. But I just I, I you knew that you knew that you knew. Mm-hmm. I knew that God was asking me to do this. And I also knew that because Samantha wasn't like, no way. You're already working enough, <laughs> she right? It, yeah. And obviously there were concerns of, yes, I work I work like crazy. Like, how am I going to be able to do this? But there were awesome people involved. MJ had set up a, an incredible group of leaders that I could, I could no longer show up at Foundry and they would be just fine. Britton showed up and was taking care of, he's taking care of all curriculum. He's doing all this stuff. And, and it, it would be, it, it was made very easy for me for one. Um, like super easy. Like but, you didn't have any physical issues that came up at all, you know, to add to the, you know, 80 hours a week that you're putting yeah. in or anything. Something about your stupid diet. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> was, I had life. to start eating like lettuce all yeah. the time. <laughs> Yeah. Kale. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, miserable. I'm not trying to get too personal. I'm I'm just trying to say there's so many yeah. excuses that so many people have of why they don't take a risk of obedience rather than miss the moment, why they don't mm. give God their yes. And mm. I just see you over and over and over, you give God your yes. And Britain, it's your favorite thing. I'm surprised <laughs> I'm the one who had to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, you had every excuse to say no, but you kept saying yes. I did, but I think when you do start, like... I think after you actually start to serve, I think you realize again that you get so much more out of it. And so, yes, it was an act of obedience and I was sacrificing time and my family was sacrificing because again, I'm working all the time and then I'm doing this on Wednesdays and I'm here late on Wednesdays and and even during the week, I'm trying to prepare things. You weren't just leading Foundry. You were also going to Fight Club. You were leading your own Fight Club. After Foundry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But... But it but you it made more insane. sense. Yeah. And at the time I think we were even still doing Thursdays, but That's so it was right. two nights a week that I was That's gone. Right. So my wife is a saint. She is. Um but We love you, Samantha. I, we do. I do. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I just there was just I just knew I had to do it, man. And it didn't mean it was easy. It was hard. It's been hard. Um but again, I've gotten so much more out of it than than I could have ever imagined. And I think that's true with any serving. Mm. I think I think we, the people that are serving, get far more out of it than the people that we're serving, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, whether it's being an usher or working in tab kids or on the tech team or whatever. Or preaching. Or preaching. I get some, way more out of yeah. it, I know, because it so, makes sense in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. Would you say, so like uh, 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 something that in scripture, right? Um, delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Would you say that over time... As you continue to devour scripture and continue to delight in God and, and who he was and continue to got to know him, that those yeses became easier because your desires began to shift. Yeah. Yeah. And and you begin to trust him. Mm. Like if if you can't figure out why you don't trust God, I think it's because you're not spending enough time getting to know him. Mm. And I began to actually trust that he was gonna provide, right? That he was going to he's gonna make it work with the time. He's, he's going to make it work with time with my kids and with my wife and all of that stuff. And, and yes, your desires begin to change to be more like his desires. Um, because the things that you want stop being the money, stop being the fancy vacations, it stops being all of that stuff. And four years ago, I wouldn't have fathomed that. Like, no, this is, that's what I want. I want security. Money was security. Financial things were security for me. And that changed. 
Um, so yes, it did get easier saying yes. Um, but it wasn't always super easy. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. No, that, that reminds me of last night, the message that Bill preached incredibly was that kind of that final point of, do you trust that God values you? Yeah. And so it's that whole thing of getting along the way, right? The anxiety, the things I value, but it's, do you trust that God values you in your life? Mm-hmm. And that he's not going to put you in a situation where it's just, yeah, just throw them into it, right? But I think yeah. that that's, that's a picture, a great illustration, which I would have thought of that last night, of trusting that God values you, values what he has planned for you, and just saying yes to that, even if it doesn't make any sense, yeah. even if it means sacrificing in other areas. I'm going to trust that God values me, he values my family, and that he's gifted me for such a time as this. And so that kind of comes to this situation. Why are you sitting down here during work hours, Adam Sharp? <laughs> Oh, bro, bro, I, I can remember during this period that the things that Adam started desiring and the questions that he had for God really changed. Mm-hmm. And it became, if I can say this, hey, how, how do I arrange my life in such a way that I don't have to work out there anymore so I can mm-hmm. work at church? Like yeah. you were, you, you were on, like, like you weren't angling for a job but you were saying full-time ministry is where I want to be. And that wasn't a week. That wasn't a month. I think you said that to me for, or you articulated that for the first time almost two years ago. And it was like, how do I arrange my life in such a way where I can give all of my time and attention to this passion of mine, which is serving Christ and in ministry because it's it's not just for their good, it's for mine, and I think it's being obedient. Yeah. That was a long time. Yeah, I remember it pulling was. up to the fight club when I was here visiting, and you said, hey, you're going to meet a bro here. Dude's called, he's a pastor. He's just not there yet, but he's a pastor. And I remember we came in, and I was like, that dude that wanted to kill me, that guy's the <laughs> <laughs> But I remember you calling the shot two years ago that mm. that was something that you— I forgot about that. Yeah. Part of, so this whole, this whole piece of like saying yes or being obedient or feeling the calling on your life, I think— for a lot of us, and especially for men, like all of the excuses, they're all born out of fear, right? It's, I'm not going to be good enough at it, or like, I don't have enough time. It's all fear that he's not going to provide. Mm. He's not, we're not really trusting him. And I remember after Caden passed and we decided to start the Ruck March. Um, oh, that's we're, right. We're planning for that. And we were trying to think of the name, uh, you know, what are we going to call it? All of this stuff. And I remember just reading my Bible and I was reading through Judges and the story of Gideon comes up. And Gideon being this kid almost, this this guy that doesn't view himself as a whole lot. He doesn't, he's not like this overly confident guy. And I think uh, pretty much all men deep down, I think we're all yep. just little boys. That's all of us, right? And then there's a part where it says the angel of the Lord appears to him and says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And it's Judges 6, 12, and it's, it's one of my favorite verses. And I've looked at that all of the times where I've been asked to say yes, I've, I've, that, that passage, that scripture, that story comes up to me because look at all the, the great things, his life didn't end great, but look at all the, the, how God used Gideon, mm. a kid who was hiding threshing wheat. If he can do that with, with Gideon, he can, he can do that with me. And so that's a story that I, like, I remember and now we put Judges 612 on the t-shirts and stuff like that, because I think deep down, we're all that Gideon somewhere. Yeah. Like we're all, we're all the kid that's afraid. We're all the kid that feels like we're nothing. We're the least, we're the lowest in our family, whatever it may be. So we have all these insecurities and then the, the excuse of time, the excuse of, of finances, whatever they're exactly their They're excuses. They're, uh, they're, they're just hiding the insecurities that we have, the fears that we have. 
Yeah, that's a, that was a piece that we that we even touch on is even before you got involved in Foundry, I think. I think that was before you got in Foundry that you started the Ruck March, which is which which if you don't know what the Ruck March is, you've seen it advertised on our social media. It's basically a bunch of people going on a long walk together, some heavy mm-hmm. weights on their back. Yeah. And it's it's uh it's for a really good cause. Yeah. Uh, we raise a bunch of money and it's on Labor Day, it's on the mm-hmm. anniversary, and it's a great way to start your Labor Day before you eat three cheeseburgers yeah. and a bunch of brats and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. and it supports uh su- well what does it support? The yeah, finance, so yeah. all of the all of the money raised goes to specific ministries. It goes to uh, Foundry for one, and it goes to FCA because those are two ministries that are reaching young people. Caden was fourteen mm-hmm. when he took his life. That is one of the reasons I have such a passion to work with young people, mm-hmm. um, because I miss them. Yeah, and I love them. And there was so much pain there that we didn't even know about. And I wanted to work with young people to, to just try and help with that in, in any way. And then so the ruck was a way to, well, yes, I can give my time, but financially, how can we raise money so that it can be used very specifically for mental health and suicide awareness and stuff like that? Um, because raising awareness is great, but then there has to be action. And so the ruck mark was the action for us. It was, it was giving purpose to what happened. Um, but so, yeah, so very specifically the money raised from the ruck March goes to the local communities here and, and Buckley and Manistee, Kingsley, this whole area. And it's used to just to invest into teens. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love the model too of it, that it's not me going on a walk by myself, but that you do the walk with a group of people. You share the burden of the pack. Yep. Um, so I love it. I've done it twice and you guys, I mean, I've shared vividly with the podcast family about how I feel about distanced races yeah. exercise uh, in general yeah yeah, yeah. i hate yeah. it yeah. i got paid to do it for a little while in college and now i hate it so yeah <laughs> so how so how long uh have, have you been the volunteer student ministry director at the buckley campus just without martin Mar- martin moved yeah. up to campus stuff I think and around a year and a half it's yeah. very temporary and about the first yeah. half it was real temporary like it was pitched <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was which that was from martin i think but yeah, uh, it was. but <laughs> We had to we had to fight Martin for six months to keep him away from there, right? Because yeah. he he's so passionate about all all of it. Yeah. And that's typical for a student ministries mm-hmm. guy. But but really, for a year and a half, you've been doing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I and like I said, I've leaned a lot on people. I've leaned a lot on Britain. I've leaned a lot on MJ. Um, and 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 maybe part of keeping him away, I probably had part in that too. Of 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 I liked when he was there, mm. and it was a security for me of hey. <laughs> I can't screw anything real bad up if he's here. Um, but also the students love seeing him. And it's the same today. I mean, the, like you can see the the energy increase a little bit when, when MJ shows up. So I always liked that. But um, yeah, so about a year and a half of, of leading that on my own. Um, but like I said, there was an incredible yeah. team of, of leaders there that just... They crush it, dude. Every week they crush it. Adam crushes it too, though. He won't say it about himself, so I'll say it for him. My favorite Adam Sharp moment outside oh of preaching and doing the cool stuff is watching him in the middle of this year's summer camp 
watching Adam Sharp with pain on his face step in to the Coliseum oh, man. to battle Mike Anderson in, in the rock, most paper, scissors game of rock, paper, scissors you've ever seen. <laughs> They're both grown men uh, screaming at me for not doing good enough at leading them in this game. His instructions were terrible. Oh, the okay. kids are going yeah. crazy. It's <laughs> the loudest environment I've ever been in, including sports environments. For rock, paper, scissors in the yeah. death That's match. the trick move. Oh, yeah. awesome. and wow. Lights are going and ready for war by 50 cents. Mike, Mike won. Instrumentals going. Mike won, and I want to rematch Mike. Uh, and you're watching, and you're like, man, this is incredible. I miss yeah. student ministry. This is incredible. So, so. Stu- student ministry, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I've, I think I've told you guys this before, I believe is, if not the most important, one of the most important. No, I'm just going to say it. It's the most important ministry in the church. Out of all, I mean, aside from gathering and coming together, out of all, now that's not to put any other ministry down. But the stats tell us that if someone doesn't make a decision for Christ by the age of 18, it gets a lot harder after that. This is the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so a little bit of our backstory, and I I probably shared this with you before, but we knew that we needed to make a move, that we didn't have um, a full-time paid staff person focused on children or students and we were looking at all the options. Does it mean that we just hire someone for kids or someone just for students? We're looking at different models. How do we, you know, the tab, you know, you you told me one of your friends described us as the Oakland Raiders Las of Vegas church now. ministry, Las Vegas Raiders. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's just the Raiders in general. <laughs> we're the Raiders of church ministry. So we're going to look at this a little bit different. So I'm in a board meeting and we're getting permission to add another staff person. And what's it going to be? Is it going to be just children? Is it going to be youth? Is it going to be next gen where it's actually someone that we're going to bring on to lead leaders for both of these arenas? And, um, you know, of course, our, we have one of the, we have the best board. 100%. They're not just a bunch of yes men and yes women. They prayerfully excruciate. I mean, they ask hard questions. They give great wisdom, great advice and support, but they always come back with, um, we're a staff led church, board accountable, but staff led. We have your back. What do you want to do? And then one guy, and you just brought him up, Mike Anderson, mm-hmm. who has been involved in foundry student ministry longer than the three of us at this table put together. And you add MJ, still longer. He's been here since the beginning. He's seen youth pastors come and go. In fact, he's even applied before or, or thought about making that mm. transition out of the civilian world into student men because he's been here forever. Mm. And at this board meeting, Mike doesn't say a lot, but when he does, you listen up. And Mike Anderson gave the most brilliant plug for this guy, Adam Sharp, of anyone that I've ever heard. And our board doesn't do that. He just sits there and he says, to me, don't look beyond Adam Sharp. That man is a leader. That man is built for this. That So it wasn't just me having a wonderful plan for your life. It wasn't just MJ with the little tricks and games that he has. When you talk about calling, and, I, and I'm going on this bunny trail, bro, because... We may never get the chance to talk about this. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Thank you. Calling is not some, or always, some bright, shining moment on the road to Damascus. I asked a wise man that's been a mentor in my life, a man by the name of Adrian Dupre, when I first became a pastor, how do you know that you know that you know 
that you're called to be a pastor, to be a preacher, to be a student ministries pastor, to be in ministry full-time. And he said to me, well, I won't tell you the whole story, but he says, essentially, you know, because the church calls. That's how it happened. It wasn't a seminary degree. It wasn't that, you know, blinding light like Paul had. I mean, good, good for you, Paul. But usually it's more than one voice of people that have walked with you in life, in fight club, in ministry, in the church, you've served with, look and say, that's the man. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I knew this moment was happening because they're, these are the elders and deacons of the church, the, 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 you know, the administrative board, the board of directors of the tab. And here's a guy who never speaks, who speaks up and he gave his agreement. That's a guy. And the rest is history. Well, almost. <laughs> we put the word out. We were going to hire a position. Yeah. What were you thinking? What I was it like on yours? I wasn't going to apply when it when it came open. Um, like when the position of the tab kids, yeah, came open, and um, because that's how we advertise it as tab yeah, kids. That's how you yeah. advertise it, yep. and and I thought to myself, <laughs> I've never done kid stuff. I I don't know what I'm doing there, and um. But then it became more evident that well, it, it it's it's more than we don't want you to just to, to 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 be in a class every weekend teaching. We need we need somebody to manage people and to to help grow the ministry and things like that. And I thought, okay, well, I I, I like that. I can do that. Um, and then the next gen thing came up, and I'm like, now that because I I I never felt released from student ministry. Like I I feel like I I I still need to be doing this. this is where God has me. And I've never felt, and I, I'm talking to Ben and MJ in the interview saying, I want to do this, but I don't feel released from student ministry. I have to keep doing this too. Um, God. And thankfully that, you know, yeah. that because was you able see, to happen. It, I mean, part of that backstory too, in my mind, we were going to hire a tab kids director on a part-time basis. And then when we got to our next budget year, we were going to budget for a full-time student ministries pastor. And I was hoping that would be you. But God's in control of this. You just made a phone call and asked a question. And we had a relationship. And I said, well, if you're going to hire, or, I mean, if you're going to apply for Tab Kids, then I'm just going to roll these two together and we'll go to the yeah. board right now, which we did. And our board, by faith, looked at the numbers, look what God's doing, and they trusted what God is doing over what the numbers said. And it's mm -hmm. like, all right, let's hire this guy as next gen. Let's give it a shot. And we're mm -hmm. in day four. Yeah. This is day four. Yeah. Yeah. You've been on staff for four days. Yeah. And it's a crazy success, and we are going to live happily ever after. So <laughs> can we – oh, no, we're not done yet? Oh, we can be done. No, we're not oh. done. I'm messing with you. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised that you said yes yeah. a little bit, but I don't know why I was surprised that you said yes. Yeah. I, I, I felt – I knew that God wanted me in ministry, and I felt that this day was coming. I did not think it was so soon. Uh, I, I didn't – it's like all this, it, this was not even a, an option. And then a month later here, I said, like, it just happened. This, this part happened fast. The calling happened a couple of years ago yeah. and the, and the things have been in the works and it's, and it's interesting now looking back at all the things God has done to prepare myself and Samantha for it. And, um, and even we talk about guys like Mike Anderson, who like God put so many people in my life that have been helping me and equipping me. Because Mike is, I call him the wizard. Oh, and he so is a wizard, man. I, at, at Foundry, Mike is somebody that I go to to make sure I'm not screwing this up. And he teaches me. And and so God has put people in my life that have just been incredible. I mean, you and MJ and, and Britton. I mean, 
so many men that God has put in my life. And looking back, I realized, oh, he was preparing me for this the whole time and I didn't see it. Um, but again, I'd felt this calling, but I didn't realize it'd be today. And I'm pumped. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited and, and it's something I'm really passionate about. And, um, but it's yeah. also been a huge faith step. It I has, mean, there, yeah. I mean, there's, there's yeah. barriers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't want to get too personal here, but no. you didn't exactly take a raise to be here. No, <laughs> no. Um, but can you speak to that? Yeah. Because yep. that's yep. a big factor for people. Yeah. Um, we talked about earlier how I was, uh, what the world look at as successful, right? And so I was, I was making good money. We were, we were, our lives were looking really great as far as financial aspect looks. And um, this opportunity came up, and and God has, especially financially, done things in our lives that got us to the point where we could say yes. But it wasn't without some faith involved because we looked at things and we're like, man, I I don't know if this works. I don't know how it works, but. We're going to say yes. And Samantha and I both were, were there. And, and Samantha being on board was also one of the reasons that I knew this was this was the right thing because I think God uses the people that we're closest to yeah. to confirm those things, people that we love and trust. And uh, because Samantha's like me, we our security has always been finances and stuff like that. And um, But there was that part where like coming time to say yes was God's been, it was like, okay, you've been talking on stage about how, we have to be obedient. Are you going to be obedient? Mm. And we said yes. And yeah, um, That's awesome. we're trusting that God is is going to provide and he's going to. We know that he is. He's already providing. It's, yeah. been, it's been incredible. Well, you're an inspiration because, uh, uh, and this is personal, I know the numbers. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's evident. <laughs> I feel lucky though, man. Like, I told, I think, uh, Britton, you were here on Monday. It was my first, first day on, on staff, full-time staff. And I was like, bro, I feel guilty that this is my job now. <laughs> I'm around people that I love. I'm doing something that I'm passionate about. And like, I get to do this for a living. Like, this is incredible. Because money's not everything. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's hardly anything, really. God's going to provide for us, right? I mean, and uh, last night in Foundry, we're, so we're going through Sermon on the Mount. And last night in Foundry was, don't be anxious. Why are you going to worry about what you're going to wear? Why are you worrying about what you're going to eat? So this was, a, this was a time for Samantha and I both to go, we're going to choose to believe that. Mm. And, and it, it, I feel lucky that we're able to do that. It's, it's, it's funny to me too, because, and, and you mentioned this a couple minutes ago, Britton, that it was your big brother who you looked up to, mm-hmm. who's your best friend, who invited you up here and yeah. got you a job. He was the one who was speaking last night on anxiety. Yes, yeah. And you assigned that to him. <laughs> and you were you were doing sermon prep together. Last mm-hmm. night, Bill Stone was working for you. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You know what I'm I, I like that, Bill. Yeah, and I'm just wondering, maybe Bill Stone's on his own little journey. Yeah. Who knows? Because Bill, we he really crushed appreciate it. you teaching, man. Please stick around. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he yeah. crushed it. He crushed he it. We're glad he you came it. out of the bullpen. He did. Yeah. So, like, what what are you facing right right now? Because, you know, I I remember in the interview, one of the things we said is, look, your your leadership is what we need, and this is your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And what are you facing right now at the Buckley campus? You've got an awesome compadre right across here yep. uh, in Britain. You guys work mm-hmm. so well together with Foundry Manistee and Foundry Buckley. Foundry seems to be going great. Yeah. But 
there's always ways you can grow there. Mm-hmm. And now somebody fooled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got somebody fooled. Hey, you got the right guy mm-hmm. fooled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now you're also looking at Tab Kids yeah. in Buckley, and that's new for you. And I know you've already been listening to next gen stuff. So like what are the challenges that you're facing? Are you still figuring out what those challenges are? Yeah, I am still figuring it out, but I I know of some. And, you know, I just this morning I was sitting down with Christina, who's been doing an incredible job of leading Christina Simon. Christina yep. Simon is doing such a She's doing a huge job, volunteer, being a volunteer and doing this job. And she's done an incredible job. And I'm so grateful for that because now she's teaching me too. Um, But one of the things that we're talking about is, yes, we need people, but we don't just need people. I don't want volunteers. I don't want volunteers. And that may sound weird to say from the guy that's supposed to get a bunch of volunteers. I don't want volunteers. I want leaders. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. We need people that... It's not that they're willing to just come and spend some time to watch kids. Nope. They want to come and invest in kids and they're going to be vulnerable and it's going to be hard and sometimes it's going to hurt, but they're willing to invest in them the way Jesus actually wants us to invest in them. There's a mind shift that has to happen in that though. And it's, and it's, it's little things like, I don't even want to call them volunteers. I just want to call them leaders mm-hmm. because we don't need the warm bodies. We need people that are willing to give Jesus their yes. And when they give Jesus their yes, they're actually going to invest because that's what, that's what the kids deserve. That's what Jesus deserves. You talked about it earlier. The overwhelming, the, the number is overwhelming at the percentages of people, the Christians, when they become Christians, it's before they're 18. After that, that number drops drastically. That should show you the importance of, we need people that are willing to invest, not just be there. And so if, if, if that's not... <laughs> Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, you get a little fired up. Well, yeah. Well, you're evidently one of those leaders. Uh, uh, you know, this past Sunday we introduced you at the Buckley campus, and we commissioned him. And I don't know if you heard this, but um, when when I got home, uh, my 14 year or my 15 year old daughter Gabby, because um, she heard, hey, we need we need we need people to help with tab kids because at both locations, at both loc, I, I can't I can't go past this. This let me be the bad guy. Mm-hmm we're not fully staffed. We need leaders that see the importance of this the same way that you do. In the Manistee campus, the second service, we don't have Ignite. At the Buckley campus, we don't have it on Saturday night. That impacts it. I was talking to a friend today. Because there's not something for his kid at the service that he can come to, that's why he's not in church because his kids are at an age where they need to have that, right? And so we need to supply that ministry so it can happen. So I get home. Gabby's just heard the big announcement that her youth pastor, who is Adam Sharp, is now over all of Tab Kids, and she's all fired about working in the cafe. She's already in your swerve program, Britain Bishop, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And for the first time, she goes, I'd like to volunteer on Saturday night with Tab Kids, Dad. And of course, I had a little tear, and then I texted you to say, well, we got one. Mm -hmm. We got one. The problem is she's 15. We got to have adults there, too. She, she can be a leader mm-hmm. the way Ben Brown's kid, Sam Brown is a leader, but mm-hmm. we need more. It doesn't matter their age. doesn't matter whatever, you know, and I'm hoping that people will jump in and not leave you yeah. on your own. And I believe that they will. Um, I really do. And yeah, I believe that they will. I believe that, dude, this church is, is, is incredible. The people in this church are incredible. And since Caden passed to now, that was one of the reasons that kept us here was the people in the church and the, you know, you talked about it this week and the authenticity people were real and they actually wanted to step up and, and help. Um, that's still here for whatever reason. We've been a little bit 
quiet, but that's still here. Those people are still here. Good. And I believe people are going to step up. And I think it's going to be more of a, yeah, I'll serve once a month because that's not what we need. We need people because if we're going to invest in them, we need to be every week. We need to be every other week at most. Comes back to what you said earlier. Um, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's, that's faith. That's real dependence. That's real following Jesus. Is It's not something that is, and I, I, I please hear this. I understand everyone talking into a microphone right now gets paid to be here, right? But we weren't always a, paid to be here. No, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. Being a Christian is saying yes to Jesus every time. And it's not just saying yes to Jesus when it's convenient. It's not just saying yes to Jesus when it works with my schedule. How crazy of a concept would it be if families reshaped their everyday lives around the idea of serving Christ together? Preach. Because we'll miss, we'll miss church for practice. Mm-hmm. We'll miss church for dance recitals. We'll miss church for family time. Bro, we'll miss church for entire sports seasons. Yeah. There's families. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody that I love and care about who love Jesus, who say they do. You'll miss them for an entire season of their kid's sport. Mm. All right. Sorry. Sorry. No, Can we I'm edit that part out? Yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> because what are we teaching them? I, I, there's the corny post on Facebook that I always want to share, but it feels passive aggressive. When your kid gets to heaven, Jesus isn't going to ask about his three-point percentage, right? Yeah. Oh, I shared that. But the thing is, there's one thing that matters. There's one thing, and it's how you followed Jesus. Yeah. It's not how you simply said, okay, yeah, we believed, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. If you are a parent, if you are a spouse, if you are a student, listen to this, and you are not actively chasing after Jesus with everything you have, everything, then you're not in the game yet. Yeah. You're still on the sideline. You're still cheering on the people down there. Well, I believe in them, right? Mm-hmm. It's time you get in the game. And I'll, <laughs> I've been kind of quiet this podcast, and it's, it's, the thing is, it's, that's what it takes if we want to see this world one for Jesus, it's going to take people that don't just just do it when it's convenient for them. Yeah, and I think your life is a perfect picture of that—not a perfect picture, but it's a beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. I have learned so much in the past year and a half from you. So much: how to father, how to be a husband, how to lead a ministry, how to faithfully serve Jesus in the midst of all of it. You'll deflect all of those after this, but I'm going to say it all right now. Man, you slept in his basement. Yeah, well, I'm moving in. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, so to hope and I. But I, I've seen all of that. Yeah. And I think it started, everything I've learned over the past year and a half started with a guy that said, I'm in. No matter yeah. the cost, no matter the commitment, no matter anything, I'm in. And now you're seeing a family being led in that direction. You're seeing now Samantha, right? And she mm-hmm. was leading in Foundry before you, but yeah. now we're seeing two parents buying into that vision. I have no doubt that I'm going to see two sons get mm-hmm. raised up in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a beautiful picture of what it looks like when dad says yes. Yeah. And mom, maybe you need to be the one that says yes, but I'm telling you, somebody needs to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> and how, how did you say it again that you'd heard it said before? It's uh, if you'll take the risk of obedience... Yeah, I'd rather take the risk of obedience than, than miss the moment altogether. Uh, there's the a really cool altogether. story that goes with this. I'll share it quickly because it's our podcast, but it's it's a powerful story. This guy's talking about, he started going, he jogs around his neighborhood and he started following Jesus, similar to you going into the basements. And he said one day he just felt like, all right, today's the day I'm sharing the gospel with my neighbor. 
So he said he gets over to his house. He's standing in the driveway sharing the gospel with his neighbor. And he's like, dude, I laid it down. And I was like, so what do you think? And the guy goes, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> and he ran off and he said, man, in that moment, I could have I swore I heard Jesus say, go talk to him. Today's the day. He's and walking, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And he said, I think I heard, I thought I heard God wrong. He says, fast forward six months. I hear a knock on my front door. It's my neighbor. He said, hey, man, I just want you to know. been following Jesus for a while now. Thanks for stopping by that day. You got me thinking. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, no problem. And so they start talking, and this guy, uh, he says, he's like, yeah, man, actually, we're plugged into a church. I'm serving in a church. And this guy says, that's awesome. What church are you serving at? And he begins to tell the story. He said, well, we're on the prayer ministry. He says, oh, man, what are you guys praying for? I would love to pray with you guys. He's like, well, actually, we're praying for who's going to be our next pastor. And he names the church, and this guy goes, oh, nice to meet you, man. I'm the, I'm the pastor of that church now. I just accepted the job this morning. Wow. And it's just such a cool story of how in the mm-hmm. void of new direction, all we have is faithfulness, take the risk of obedience, let God be the impressive one. And I think mm-hmm. it's just so cool. Yeah. And, I'm man, thanks for being an example of that. Yeah, I thanks. immediately got better when you showed up. So thanks, bro. Yeah, real quick, I know we're – Probably goes no, no, we can do whatever we want. Um, this is, dude, we can go for another hour. Yeah. Well, people John, can press pause. John Williams has lunch upstairs. Though. Oh, okay, Sorry. sweet. I, I going back to like just the saying yes and and like in the why. I can remember being at a point where I had been asking the questions. I was going to Fight Club. We were coming to church regularly. We were doing all of those things, but I still, for whatever reason, I couldn't get. There was something missing. And I couldn't like I was trying to trying to dive in but I would only get chest deep. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I couldn't figure it out. What was missing was the serving. And when I began to, to serve and to get involved, that's when I feel like, okay, I actually dove in. So, because I think we, we look at it like, oh, I go to church on the weekends. I even go to fight club or I even go to women's Bible study. Great. Where are you serving? Because that's part of it. Mm. I think without it, it's like that, that three-leg stool where that's right. you, if you don't have the serving, you're not going to be able to jump in all the way. And so once Samantha and I started serving, I mean, she still, she does all the usher stuff and for scheduling and all that stuff. But that's when I think we really, really started to get closer to God. That's when our desires began to, to change. That's when that, it became easier to say yes. So maybe that's the actual question to, or the actual answer to that question that you asked earlier is, how did it become easier to, to say yes? When you started saying yes, it became easier because that's when we actually got really close with God, I feel like. Yeah. No, that's, that's a, that's a perfect example is people think all the time that, oh, they're just saying that because they're trying to get more volunteers and this or that. It is vital to your discipleship, vital, a vital piece of following Jesus is actually serving. If you study the gospels, Jesus walking around a lake with 12 guys for three years, he got them involved. Hey, I need you to pick up those baskets. Hey, I need you three to come with me. Hey, I need you guys to go there. Hey, I'm going to send you out. And when they got involved, all of the teaching and all of the verses and all of the prayers and all of the, the talking part, all that, start, all that stuff started to make sense. So to anyone yeah. listening, if you're not serving anywhere or even being challenged in your ser- serving, that's hurting your discipleship, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. That's hurting your discipleship because it's only two-dimensional. It's like going to science class and never doing the lab. You know, you read all about it 
there's a difference between that and actually setting the little thing on fire or, you know, seeing the chemical change or dissecting the cat or whatever, then it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, and I think you pointed out a great example too, is it's not just being a warm body, Mm -hmm. right? It's a discipleship process for yourself and for those that you're being involved with. It's not just fine. I'll give you a week, right? Man, we'll start there. Fine. Please. We'll take a week. (laughs) But uh, it's deeper than that. Yeah. It's deeper than that. It's not just come be a warm body so we can say we have you. Right. No, it's it's a legitimate burden on the people leading those ministries that we want to see more people experience the fullness of what God has for them. And mm-hmm. part of that comes through serving. And part of that comes through serving others. And so, man, Adam, thanks for joining us, bro. Uh thank you. Appreciate you coming me. to the podcast. Uh this on, definitely won't be the last time. On very short notice. Yeah. Uh, for um, us, it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was playing ahead for us. Uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So, you know, before we let him go. This is the part of the podcast where we talk about potential sponsorships. Yeah. We we have seen the practical and tactical when Trace Cakes shows up. Yeah. By Tr- the way, where's well, where's see, the snacks when I show up? Well, oh, you no, know, we need to talk about Trace Cakes, <laughs> we got to get her to sign. Trace Kalita needs to sign on some dotted line or something because we need to have those more on the regular. Yeah. Thursdays, I mean, how hard is it get some muffins in here? <laughs> You know, or to have Benjamin Vermilia eat a hot chocolate bomb, eat a hot chocolate bomb, <laughs> get the powder off his face. But there, you know, we this talk about Carhartt quite a bit. This might have been a strategic move on our end. Yeah, yeah you see where yeah. I'm going. We talk about Carhartt a lot. They get a lot. Carhartt. I've I, said it three times now. They get a lot of free press on this podcast. I counted today on Instagram. I've posted like 30 times in the little squares. Yeah, 24 of them. I am wearing Carhartt. Well, you're wearing yeah. Carhartt right now. I had extra car shirt yep. in my truck today. Yeah. yeah. Always have it on me. And Keep that thing the, on me, boy. And you're wearing Carhartt. And <laughs> oh, there's yeah. a rumor that Adam Sharp might have a Carhartt connection. What is yeah. it, like a sister? Is like a cousin. It's a cousin? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, what's her name? Jamie. Jamie, if you're listening to this, I mean, what do we got to do? I mean, yeah. how much more free press does Carhartt need? <laughs> I wear it every day. Before we get yeah. some Carhartt, like, you guys made joggers, I wouldn't here. buy anything else. <laughs> Carhartt joggers? Did you just say yeah. Carhartt? Oh, Wait, man. Can you see your ankles else. in those? Oh, I better be able to. You have to, to ask Uncle Bill about <laughs> Carhartt joggers where you can see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my favorite moment. Yeah. Adam and I are meeting on a Saturday night after church, and he comes in after I preach, and he goes, that's what you wore? That's what you wore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was it was joggers. Was it was So, Jamie... No pressure. If you're listening, does Jamie listen to the podcast? Yeah. Maybe she'll listen. Okay. So no pressure. Jamie, I'm just kidding. Not really. Um, (laughs) I mean, you know, you do what the Lord's telling you to do with that Carhartt sponsorship is all I'm saying. Yeah. But. But Trace, but Trace, I do mean it with you. Yeah, where's those muffins? (laughs) (laughs) They were delicious. The crumble top. Oh man, blueberry. Come on, you're killing me. Well, Adam. We appreciate you, man. I'm yeah. pumped. Thanks, uh, guys. You're officially, uh, you're in the bullpen now, dog, so yeah. don't be surprised when we call up the lefty. <laughs> don't be so surprised. so uh, glad yeah. Adam Sharp is on the team. Absolutely. So Same glad. Too. Our, know Adam. our team, the coolness factor just went up. Oh, 100%. Not just the coolness, but the people you get to hang out with, the quality. Yeah. And we know if you need to, you know, field strip a weapon. <laughs> that he knows how. I got you. We didn't even jump into your job in the Air Force. No. I said it Which today. was, you carried a rifle in the Air yeah. Force. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that what was did it. I say in the lobby today? I said, I have no doubt in my mind that there's probably better churches than ours, but I bet we could beat them in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the staff alone. <laughs> the Raiders. Uh, yeah, that's right. So Cool. Awesome. I love Tab you guys. Family. Yeah. Love you too, bro. Um, Tap family, if you've enjoyed the podcast, um, hopefully you do. Otherwise, you probably still wouldn't be listening at this point. But uh, share it. This gets posted to social media, so make sure you're sharing the podcast, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Keep an eye out. Um, this will become 
a little bit cooler, maybe. Who knows? Um, vodcast coming in 2022. So it's getting real. We're There's a beautiful table down here in the dungeon that I found uh, underneath the staircase, and it's going to be retired here soon. I know. So. And, w- and we're going to have to pay attention to what we wear now if it's a vodcast. Well, hopefully it'll be a car. Yeah, hopefully it'll be a car. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Tab family, uh, until next time, this is Adam, John, and Britton signing off.